Welcome again to the Gaining Possession Hockey Podcast. Today, we are going to actually talk about the title of this podcast, Gaining Possession. I decided to call it Gaining Possession for some reason, so let's talk about that. Uh, we got a couple of topics to, dis- to discuss that are really all about gaining possession. They do um, kind of evolve out of a recent experience that I had watching my son's team play. Uh, and not only, you know, the gaining possession from the other team, but let's talk a little bit about maintaining possession as well. Uh, and, you know, how to maintain possession as an individual, how to maintain possession as a team, how to gain possession as an individual, and how to gain possession as a team. So we'll cover uh, a few of those. I won't get into every possible thing you can do to gain possession, but I wanted to at least address, since I decided to title this podcast Gaining Possession, why don't we talk about gaining possession? Good idea. So first and foremost, um, gaining possession really changes with the age group of the player. As the age of the player progresses, gaining possession can be done in a much more physical manner. So I'm going to kind of pick a middle-of-the-road 12U, 13U, 14, 15, 16U, kind of in that range uh, age of player when physical contact is allowed by most referees, taught by most coaches, and you know these aren't blasting people through the glass type of contact. This is really just I need to have physical contact in order to gain possession of the puck. And so let's start with the other team having the puck, and I want to gain possession as an individual. So this is a one-on-one battle. How do I gain possession of that puck? One of the easiest ways I've found to coach players in a one-on-one battle that involves some physical contact is what I've liked to to term um, checking the hands. So if they have the puck, if the other team has the puck, so player A has the puck, that means player A most likely has two hands on their stick. And if I have two hands on my stick, my body is really going to follow my hands. So wherever my hands go, my body is likely to follow. Uh, Thinking about this from a more extreme example perspective, I can't skate backwards and have my hands go forwards, right? I, 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 I can make deeks and adjustments and things like that where for a split second, my shoulders might go one way and my hips go the other way. But for the most part, I can't turn right and have my hands turn left, right? It's, it's just physically impossible. So if you think about it just at a, at, a, at a basic physical sense, if I check the hands, I've taken away their, the other player's ability to do anything with that puck. And so try to picture, um, I guess the easiest way to picture this is have, the, have player A skating along the boards with the puck or somewhere near the boards with the puck. I'm coaching my players to approach the gloves. So head straight for the gloves. Have your stick down. Angle. Angling is very important. Angle towards their gloves. That way, if they speed up or slow down, you are in that midpoint of, I still could contact their body. I still could contact their stick. 
I'm behind the puck, but in front of the player. What's going to be behind the puck and in front of the player? Their gloves, right? So that's why I say aim for the gloves. Aim for the gloves, stick down. So as I come in, my stick is going under their stick, not contacting their stick. I'm not that far forward, but my stick is under their stick pretty much under their hands, right? Their hands aren't going to be right together. So right in between the midpoint of their two hands, my stick comes underneath. My body then can contact their hands. So both hands on my stick coming up underneath their stick. My hands are pretty close to their hands. All I do is continue to let my body slide across, make contact with their gloves they no longer can control the puck. They could still have the puck, but they can't control it anymore because I've pinched their gloves. Their hands are now pinched either between my body and the boards, my hands and my body, uh, you know, my hands and their body, right? Their, their, their hands no longer have anywhere to go. I've taken away the ability for them to stick handle. I, I, I can't stick handle if I can't move my hands. So now that I've taken away their gloves, now I take away their stick. And a lot of people will hear stick lift, right? Coaches yell it all the time, lift a stick, get a stick. Somebody get on a stick, right? Lift that stick. And what a lot of players seem to hear when they, when they hear the words lift the stick is hook my blade underneath their stick and lift it as high as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. Right, I'm going to hold that stick up in the air until I get a high sticking penalty. That's not what we need to do to gain possession. Now, that might be a, a defensive play so that they can't tip in front of the net or something like that. But we're talking about gaining possession. If they have the puck on the blade of their stick, I don't want to be wasting time putting my stick in the air. I want to gain possession as quickly as I possibly can. So I want the smallest amount of stick lift possible. So picture the height of a puck. What is it? A inch and a half, two inches, right? Give it a little in case it's fluttering or something. Give it three inches, right? That's not very high off the ice. So you give one tap up, get their stick off of that puck. Your stick comes down first and you turn your shoulders away from their gloves. So now you're, you're taking the puck and your hands, puck, your, your, now it's your puck, your stick, your hands, and you're pivoting away from that player. Because what you're now doing is maintaining possession. So you've gained possession of the puck, and you immediately have to go into maintain possession of that puck. And in order to do that, I have to protect the puck. And how do I protect the puck? With my body. So now my body, my whole body, is in between player A, her use, who used to have the puck, and the puck that is now mine. I have now gained possession of that puck. I am maintaining possession of that puck. So now you might be wondering, what if the role is reversed? So now I've gained possession of the puck, and I'm heading up the ice. Here comes somebody at me about to do the exact same thing. They're going to check my gloves, lift my stick, gain possession. How do I prevent that from happening? It's all about understanding angles and body positioning. If somebody is uh, lining up perfectly to come right at my gloves, I have two options. And one of them is not 
to continue on my current path. You cannot continue on your current path because the reason they call it angling, because if you picture a triangle or you picture, you know, the in geometry class, the old the angle, it's a triangle with only two lines, right? It's a straight line. Angling means I'm creating an angle in a straight line towards my next point of attack. That's how the angle gets created. The only way to play offense and maintain possession against a good angle is to change the angle yourself. And the only way to change your angle is to either speed up or slow down. If you maintain on your current path, you have given them the ability to now come in and do the exact same thing to you. Their angling is going to work. Their gaining possession is going to work. So option one, get the puck off of my stick to another player. Get the puck off of my stick into safe space. You'll hear me talk about safe space a lot or safe ice. Safe ice is ice where nobody is. And a, and a lot of players don't understand that. Well, maybe we'll do a separate episode about safe ice. But just pushing it and hoping I can get there first is not a good play. Because there are a bunch of other players that are now also converging on that puck. Uh, so try to find a safe place to put it. Maybe it is just a small poke forward. Then you've got to get around that player, through that player, and regain possession on the other side of that player. The other option, slam on the brakes. Right, Slam on the brakes, keep that puck with you. Now, if they're doing proper angling, they probably are still going to hit your stick, maybe even hit the puck, maybe even come in at a... Uh, uh, an angle where they're going to turn their body, right? Their, their trajectory is still at the same angle, but instead of heading north, now they're heading south. Um, they're coming at you the same way, but now they can see the puck. They're there. They're still there. Their stick is still in motion. They're still going for that puck. Um, so hitting the brakes <clears throat> really means, because this is something you should never do in hockey, is stop. Actually come to a complete and full stop is never a good idea unless you're at a face-off. Um, but during play... Coming to a complete stop isn't good. Quick stop go is fine, right? That's a good move. Quick stop, that player now is, the angle is broken. And now he has to, he or she has to reevaluate. Now what do I do? So you have that split second while they're reevaluating their play to now bounce off the wall, slam it in reverse, loop around, regroup, do something else with, with the play to maintain possession of that puck. Now, that's kind of the two individual scenarios. This can happen in open ice as well, right? You have a lot more left-right um, uh, ice to play with uh, in open ice. And at the older ages, um, when you know body contact, body checking, it becomes much more a part of the game. It's a dangerous place to be. So you always have to be thinking about how you're going to change your own angle um, across the middle of the ice, curl, loop, do something um, to never skate in a straight line. Because um, then you're just, you're too easy of a target when you're skating in a straight line. <clears throat> so now let's talk about the team approach to gaining possession, right? Because that's the individual trying to gain possession. How does the team gain possession? And this you'll hear from your coaches. I, at least I hope you hear from your coaches. Team possession, puck possession, hockey, it works, right? I, I, I know 
some of you might think it sounds old school and there's plenty of games in the NHL that are won by teams that don't have puck possession statistics that are superior to the other team. Sure, it happens, right? Maybe you've got a cold goaltender, super hot shot, a bunch of penalties, right? All of those things can really kind of um, sway the numbers in terms of time of possession. But let's just look at it from its global standpoint across all age groups, across the entire world, all skill levels of hockey. If you maintain possession of the puck as a team, you're going to perform better as a team. And, you know, I didn't say win. I said perform better as a team, which increases your chances of victory. So to, to gain possession as a team, I hope you hear your coaches talking about numbers. And specifically in terms of outnumbering the, your opponent when it comes to chasing a puck, engaging on the puck. Puck goes into the corner, most common scenario of um, trying to outnumber. Puck goes into the corner. One of their defensemen goes in after it. One of your forwards goes in after it. That's a one-on-one battle. They're doing my first example. They're both trying to gain possession of that puck. What makes it much easier to accomplish, outnumber them. Send two in, your center and your winger. Boom. Both of them are going in. You've got a two-on-one scenario. Their second D is probably staying in front of the net to protect that offside winger who is waiting for that puck to come to them and score. Their center is probably down low or up high, depending on how they play. Probably ready to engage should we try to outnumber outnumber them. But it's not going to engage unless it looks like they're outnumbered, right? So... You have to get there first, quick thinking, two-on-one scenario. We have them outnumbered, same techniques, get their gloves against the boards, lift a stick, pop it out. Second player that was engaged should be able to pick that up and go while the first player that engaged physically, and this is really difficult for, for young kids to understand. First one in engages the player. Second one in picks up the puck. Sometimes you'll hear F1, F2, F3, first forward, second forward, third forward. A lot of different terms for it. But first one in engages the player. Stop that player from gaining possession of the puck. Second player gains possession of the puck because now there's nobody defending him or her, right? So second player comes in, picks up the puck, start moving the puck. You hear time and space, you hear move the puck. Um, Even at the highest levels, and yes, again, there's exceptions, but even at the highest levels is really rare for someone to go end to end with a puck all by themselves and have something good happen out of it. Uh, it's, It's not a good philosophy to teach children as they grow up and then they have their first game as a uh, 13U full body checking um, age group and they hit that first game and they try to go end to end, the minute they look down, they're going to get blown up, possibly injured. I've seen it happen way too many times. Changes their mentality for the rest of the week, month, maybe even the whole season. 
all of a sudden they have realized this is now heavy hitting hockey. And if someone's coming at me, my best defense sometimes is to get rid of the puck. And you do not want to lose possession for your team. So think ahead. Get the puck again into safe ice where there is nobody. And then try to beat everyone else to it. Or get that puck preferably to a teammate. Um, so ho hopefully that makes sense. The, the other situation for maintaining possession as a team. Yes, I said move the puck around, passing, sharp passes, tape-to-tape -tape passes. But sometimes those situations don't always present themselves. And so being a puck possession team, sometimes you have to be willing to curl back. And this is another difficult thing for a lot of uh, younger, younger players to really wrap their head around. Why would I head back towards my own goalie? Like, that's just dangerous. What if I lose the puck and I give it to him and you're already in, you know, the zone for them. I brought it into the zone and then handed it to him and then they score. I get it. Those situations could happen. But that's where body positioning comes into play. That's where puck protection as an individual comes into play. The reason that you're curling back, the reason that you're regrouping is to maintain possession of the puck. It's not always about getting into their zone and getting a shot off. It's about getting quality entrance into the zone and quality shots on that. And you can't do that if every time you get to the neutral zone and you feel some pressure, you pop it up off the boards and into the zone and go chase it. It's not a real quality zone entrance. It works in certain scenarios, yes, but it doesn't create quality if you have the time and the space to create the quality, create the quality. And sometimes what that means is I got to the red line. Uh-oh, I'm in a lot of trouble. I got three opposing players converging on me and nobody's open because we're on a line change, right? I mean, there's, I can come up with a hundred different scenarios, but that, that's an obvious one. So I'll use it. You look up and there's no, your, the rest of your team is on a change right now. Okay. Now, that might be also an example of a safe time to dump it in. But if you have the ability to curl back, what that does is it gives you one, two, three, maybe four or five seconds. Now, all of a sudden, your, your players are off in position in open ice. You might be back near your own blue line, but boom, there's your other player at the opposing blue line and you fire a pass over to him and he's in the zone of the quality entrance. Now, that's a quality zone entrance. Um, so you, there, there, there's a lot to be said for, um, and I'll do a separate episode on hockey IQ, but understanding the ice. And I try to keep it simple when I, when I used to coach and I would just talk about Jersey color, right? If we're, our Jersey color is white and their Jersey color, color is red. Just look for, look for red or whatever the opposing color is, right? Look for red. That's bad. Don't put the puck towards red. Put the puck towards white. And it simplifies it, right? We're not saying get the puck to little Bobby, right? Because that means I'm looking for a person. It's too hard to find the person that you're looking for. Yeah, If you have a set play, 
And that's more some more more often happens at the more uh, higher age levels. If you have a set play where it's going to go, it's gonna, okay, we're going to curl, hit little Bobby cutting through the middle. He's going to get it to little Johnny cutting across into the zone. Little Bobby's going to come in behind him, a little drop pass, fire a uh, you know shot on net, and grab the rebound and score. Right? Okay, perfectly set play. Oh, it works every time. No, it doesn't. But <clears throat> if if there's no other way to keep it simple, I've I've found through experience, just talk jersey color. That's it. Wait until you see a white jersey to pass it to. Don't just pass it into no man's land where there's one white jersey and four red jerseys. It's probably not going to work, right? So, you know, that's uh, uh, another way to kind of keep it simple in terms of maintaining possession. Um I think I'll 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 stop there. I have a bunch of other notes here that I'd like to get through, but they're starting to feel like uh, maybe some episodes of their own. Um, I, I really like talking about head on a swivel. Um, that goes along with this whole hockey IQ reading the ice thing. So I know there's a whole episode coming up on hockey IQ and reading the ice, um, and that's probably where I can introduce some of these other things about shoulder checks and head on a swivel and things like that that are. Um, you know, really about the eyes of the game and the brain of the game more than they are the body of the game. And that's, uh, you know, uh, some terminology I might be throwing out there. Like maybe some of you are listening and, and getting confused by it, but I'll, I'll get into all that in future episodes. Um, the eyes of the game is just really seeing the game and I don't know if it's something can, that can be coached. I really do believe that it's something that in order to maintain possession of the puck, you have to see the whole game. You have to understand what's going on on the ice at all times as best as possible. It not only keeps you safe, but guess what? It helps you to maintain possession and it helps gaining possession. Thanks for listening to this episode. Talk to you soon.